Come April the 2nd through the 4th, we've got a, a, a wonderful program scheduled. It's called The Choice. And we want you to plan on being a part of it. Also, we want you to already begin to start to uh, let folks know about it, family and friends and others. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful program. I mean, just the script and the, uh, the, the, test, the, the message behind it all is going to be wonderful. I think you're going to enjoy just the, uh, uh, everything from the, uh, the acting to the storyline, even to the scene changes, honestly. I think you're going to find it intriguing. You'll find it really encouraging and helpful. It's going to be a blessing, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And so just plan on that. The 2nd through the 4th of April, you say, that's a long ways away. It'll be here just like that, won't it? Honestly, it'll be right here. It's, it's right on the edge. I mean, we're right there now. So uh, be, uh, just be thinking about it now. Really, line people up to come to this. It's going to be worth bringing them. If you just show up, I'll be frank with you, that's, 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 that's one night. We've got three nights scheduled. We're going to have a Thursday with family and friends to kind of, kind of break the ice with the cast and give them a chance to kind of perform it without a lot of pressure. But then on, on Friday and Saturday night, we're asking that all of, you, fam, all of you family and friends will go out and bring people in and have just, a, just fill this place up and uh, watch God do what he does. And so anyway, uh, just uh, a little plug for that. <clears throat> Why don't you just put it on the calendar if you don't already have it on there, the second through the fourth, and plan on being there. And honestly, <clears throat> man, be there every night. Who cares, right? Just go out and get somebody and bring them in with you each night. And uh, that's a good opportunity to reach people with the truth. Take your Bible and look over to the book of Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 1, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 1, we're going to start talking tonight about you become who you follow. In just a minute, you can take a look at that when you get a chance. Be careful up there on the screen that says who you follow. It's a big deal. <clears throat> it's a big deal. <laughs> a little play on words there. <clears throat> Thought I'd throw that in there. I'm sorry. Maybe you didn't like that. But anyway, uh, it is. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal who you follow. And that's so important. And so anyway... Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, we're going to begin reading there. <clears throat> now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. <clears throat> Let's read that one more time. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. <clears throat> the book of Mark is believed to have been written at Rome for the Romans. As a result, there are very few references to the Old Testament. There are very few references, I mean, there are very few Jewish words being used. 
customs are not necessarily explained or addressed and dealt with. They don't use words like, like um, legion or centurion that awfully much. Because, uh, I mean, excuse me, they'd use words like legion and centurion often because that's what the, the Romans were used to. That's what the, uh, uh, these folks there would have understood. Now, again, the book was fitted for the Roman citizen, and you have to understand that it's going to reflect the energetic and the impulsive nature of a Roman themselves. Now, the Roman citizen was, was a hustler. They were men and women of action. That's how they were. They were brought up that way. And the book of Mark gives a portrait of Jesus Christ as that of a servant, or if you would, maybe an ideal worker. Now, it's interesting when you look at the Romans, they didn't care a whole lot about necessarily the doctrine or the teaching as much as they cared about, as much as they cared about, I guess you would, just action, just doing. That was what they were interested in, action. And so as a result of that, this particular gospel, the gospel of Mark, It deals with the deeds of the Lord Jesus Christ. It emphasizes the deeds more than it emphasizes necessarily the very words. And so that brings us to our passage. In the book of Mark here, verse uh, 17, chapter 1, verse 17, we're given an account of Jesus enlisting Peter and, and, and enlisting Andrew into his service. And so he's out and about and he calls out to them and he enlists them into the work of God into service. Now, this particular account is given in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Luke chapter 5, verse 10, and it's also given in the book of John as well. Now, I want to show you something very interesting, though, about this. <clears throat> I want you to notice the difference, and again, it's a slight difference, uh, how the writer penned this interaction. But <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, <clears throat> notice what he says. He says, And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see that? Then in Luke chapter 5, verse 10, he says, And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. From henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Now notice our passage here in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said unto excuse me, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Now again, there's a slight difference in those. You notice that. What we're going to see is chapter uh, Matthew 4, 19 and Luke chapter 5, verse 10 are slightly different, or, or should I say Mark actually, verse 1, verse 17, chapter 1, verse 17, is slightly different than the other two. Now, what we're going to see here is that the first two passages then seem to emphasize the fact that they will catch men or that they will be fishers of men. While the incident in Mark shows something a little bit different, it emphasizes a process. Do you see that? Okay, now it's pretty clear. He says, I will make you to what? Become fishers of men. They're going to become fishers of men. Now, the word become 
It means to pass from one state to another. It means to enter into some state or condition by a chance uh, by a chance from another state or condition or by assuming or receiving new prop- properties or qualities, additional matter or a new character. Now again, I kind of stopped very early on because I think it illustrates and it expresses what we're looking at to pass from one state to another. And so what Christ is really saying here He says, you know what, fellas, if you will follow me, I am going to make you to pass from one state to another, from being fishers of fish to fishers of men. You see that? That's what he's really saying. At the present, they're simply fishers of fish. At the present, they're casting nets out onto the sea. At present, they're trying to gather fish for their family and for their sustenance and even for their business. But the Lord Jesus comes along and says, now wait a second, fellas, I want you to become fishers of men. And in chapter 1, verse 17, he makes it clear that this is going to be a process because he says you're going to become fishers of men. So this is going to be a process that will be accomplished as you are exposed to a fresh outlook. As you're exposed to different qualities and even a new character. You are going to pass from one state to the next. From being fishers of fish to fishers of men. So the fact is that Whatever you follow is what you will ultimately become then. See, Jesus, he was a fisher of men. I don't think we would debate that. I don't think we'd have an argument there. I mean, he was on the prowl. He was looking for people and looking for souls. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So the Lord Jesus Christ was definitely in the seeking business, the fishing of men, so to speak, seeking of souls, if you will. And he's saying, listen, you know what? I'm a fisher of men. And you know, if you'll follow me, that's exactly what you will become as well. If they failed to follow, they would fail to become. If they failed to follow, they would fail to become. What are you becoming today? I wonder, what are you becoming? You know what? It's easy to tell what you are becoming. What or who do you follow? Well, that question answered will give you a good idea of what and who you are becoming. Listen, I'm telling you that we need to be very careful who we're following. Because you become who you follow. And as I said with the disciples, the fact is is that if they failed to follow, they would fail to become. You know what they were going to fail to become? Everything God intended them to be. You know what they were going to fail to become? The fishers of men that God desired of them and demanded of them. So who you follow will determine who you become. Now, we see that in youngsters all the time, don't we? We watch the children and we say to them, well, boy, you're just like your daddy. 
We see the little girl, oh, you're just like your mama. Well, they, you know, it's unfortunately for us, they seem to just a, a kind of embrace all of our bad habits. But the fact is, is that kids do turn out the way we are in a sense. They take our lead. Who they follow, they become. That's why it's important that we are what we're supposed to be. So I want to consider in the course of this particular lesson or this series of lessons I'll be doing, I want to consider role models and I want to consider the master along the way. And um, so we're going to do just that. Now, I want to have a quick word of prayer and then we'll jump into this thing a little bit tonight. Father, bless us and may you encourage us tonight. Help us, Lord, as believers to be, Father, instructed and then inspired to to do and to be everything we ought to be. We need you, and we pray for your leadership tonight. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So we talk about role models. I have a question, first of all. What has shaped our lives and person up to the time we, we, we have gotten saved? What has shaped our lives and persons up to the time we've gotten saved. Anybody have some ideas? Help me out tonight. What, what, what has shaped our lives and our person up to this point, prior to salvation? What shaped our lives? Yeah, right, right here in front. Desire. A desire. Okay, desire. Very good. That, certainly the things that we desire will send us in that direction, of course. Yeah. Our family or our parents in this particular case. Yeah, those closest to us. Uh, maybe if it wasn't our parents, it was a grandparent that raised us, whatever. The influence of a parent or that guardian, that person in charge. Um, yeah. Our friends. Our friends have influenced us along the way. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, maybe even uh, the political climate of our culture. <clears throat> Okay. So specifically, how, give me a specific thing that uh, our culture or whatever would, would work through the system. Give me. Okay, television. Okay, good. So the television has helped to uh, shape our lives and our person. Okay, over here. Okay, education. Uh, our education system. Uh, what we were taught, who we t- taught us, all of those things. I saw a hand over here. Did, uh, or, you say teachers as well. Okay. Yeah, in the back. Yeah, you. Circumstances in our life. Absolutely. Circumstances uh, in our lives. I guess we could call that experiences maybe or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Okay, if there was somebody that you looked to, to for guidance or leadership, somebody like that could certainly... It's helped steer the ship, shape our lives and our person, no doubt. Now listen, uh, over here in the back. Okay, church itself or the influence of spiritual influence in our lives, that certainly would uh, cause us to be shaped our lives or persons up to that point before we're saved. Uh, again, we could probably go on quite a while. Now, I want to share with you what I call a behavior tree. All right, it's something I developed a long time ago, and it's extremely Detailed. It's a wonderful pictures. You can tell. It's 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 state of the art. I'm sure that uh, Miss Faith is extremely excited right now. Uh, she does all our graphics around here. 
And I'm sure that she's going, wow, I need to enlist the pastor to do graphics for the church. <clears throat> yes, I can see why you would think that. But we're going to see here that, that honestly, that the things you were discussing, the things you shared are right on the money. They're spot on. When we look at what has affected us, you look at the roots of that tree, and it's hard to see them, so I wrote them off to the side here. But we note, first of our, our environment itself. I tried to narrow them down to five things. Now listen, when you deal with people and counseling or you deal with folks interacting one-on-one -on -one and you're trying to help people in their lives, guess what you have to do? You have to figure out what makes them tick. Do you realize that we're all, not, we're all pretty much the same? The only thing is, is that there are some aspects of our upbringing that are very different at times and that molds and makes us what we are today. People like to say things like, well, your past shouldn't affect you, but can I tell you it does? And you have to choose, consciously choose not to allow it to do that. And you have to seek God's grace and his mercy to keep it from doing that. You have to work at not allowing your past to, to rule you and to cause you uh, to affect your daily life. It is a challenge and it is much more difficult than most would admit. The big saying is this, I've, I, well, I don't want to go there. Okay, so anyway, I don't want to get off topic. But nonetheless, notice these roots here on this tree. Environment. It's our surroundings and our culture. The environment in which we are raised. You were raised in a single home. You're raised in a, a, fa a father and a mother home. You're raised by grandparents. All of those things make a difference. You're raised in a, a, a low income versus being rich. You're, you're raised in a middle class versus low or high. I mean, all of the factors that are involved here, your culture, what, what, what your, the political climate is of that culture, what the moral climate is of that culture, all of those things, the, the environment in which we live, the experiences that you have, all of those things, things that happen to us in our lives. Every one of us have had things. Maybe you, you, you fell down a flight of stairs as a child, and now you have a phobia of stairs. I've never fallen down a flight of... Well, I have. Forget that. I have, but that's not why I have a phobia. My phobia of stairs is when little kids or older people are by steps, and they're going like this. I'm losing my mind about that point. But the truth is, is that our experiences affect us. If you've been hurt, harmed, or, or taken advantage of in the past, guess what? It could easily affect your attitude, your opinion, and your feelings. And then your teaching, the teaching that you received. We talked about it already. Someone mentioned education. We see information, uh, things that we get at school. Maybe it's religious information or religious training. Whatever it might be, any kind of information, any kind of training, any kind of teaching, it has influenced your uh, attitude, your opinions, and your feelings, given. Not only that, but your upbringing itself. Again, the very family you have. Again, somebody mentioned mom and dad, or possibly grandma and grandpa. The investment that someone has made in your life as you grew up, the, the environment within the home, not just outside the home, it's so valuable, so important. You observed mom, you observed dad, you observed grandma, you observed grandpa. Can I tell you one of the greatest missing links in our, our world today is the home. It's moms and dads. And I'm telling you something, we are not going to see things get better in our world because our homes are less and less strong. You go ahead, I don't care what the economic status is of our nation, it will not fix the moral and the mental state of our people. 
That's not going to fix anything. You throw money after a problem, it doesn't fix the problem. There's a root problem, and the root problem is there's no stability in the home. Listen, can I tell you, you know what, and I know this isn't going to go over well, and it may not be politically correct, but let me tell you something. I, am, I believe this. You look at world wars in the past, no doubt about it. People came back from world wars scarred. They had nightmares. They struggled with living and dealing with problems. But I'm going to tell you something. You look at the epidemic of problems we're having from the young men and young ladies coming back from war today. The scourge of what they call PSD or whatever it's called. PT. Yeah, now little kids have it. Now, now uh, young people have it. Everybody's got this stuff. Can, 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 can I ask you, why is it so prevalent today, more so than it ever has been? Somebody says, well, it's always been there. It has, but not to the degree it has in this day and age we live. Can I tell you, it's because there's no one to talk to at home anymore? Can I tell you, it's because there's nobody to go home to? Can I tell you, because there's no stability in the home? Because people don't have anybody to count on, rely upon, or help them today. We're all on our own. We're such individuals. We're so disconnected from everyone and everything. It's a mess. Someone says, I don't agree with that. That's all right. You can have a differing opinion. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm convinced that the breakdown of the home, the fact that there's not a mama there, the fact that daddy's running off, the fact that we got problems all around our world right now and that we just can't seem to get the home in order, there's a problem. We got issues. And then there's influences, obviously. We talked about the media. We talked about television, TV, music, friends, all of those things. Anything that enters the five senses there from the outside. So when you look at a person, you and I today, we see that what has shaped our lives and our person up to this time before we got saved included the environment, experiences, teaching, upbringing, and influences. You can probably categorize everything under one of those. And those have all shaped our attitudes our opinions and our feelings. And you want to know where your behavior flows from? Right in there. We say the heart, we know it's not the beating heart. But out of the abundance of the heart, the what? Mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's behavior. That's behavior. So we have the roots. Then we have the, the, the trunk here. The real, the real bottom line is our attitudes, opinions, and feelings are rooted in those issues. And then our behavior flows from that. Now, this is interesting to me. When you get saved, it's, it's funny. And again, I'm not necessarily part of this, the series, but let me share this with you. If you look at those, you'll notice I've asterisked a couple of them. I asterisked the second one, our experiences, and I asterisk the, the fourth one, our upbringing. Do you know what we cannot change of those five areas? Those two. You cannot change your experiences. What they were before you got saved, you can't do anything about that. It is what it is. You can't change your upbringing. Whether you grew up in a, a, a perfectly wonderful, well-adjusted home, or you came out of a dysfunctional one, you can't change that. You can't do anything about that. But you can change your environment, your teaching, and, those, and that issue of influence. You do have the ability to affect those you choose. That's not on God, that's on you. 
I'm just waiting for God to change me. No, you need to change your environment, your teaching, and your influences. That's on you. See, God's given you the ability. He's given you the Bible that says those areas need to be rooted in the Word of God. And you need to be careful what you allow or who you allow to influence you. You need to be careful who you're allowing to teach you and what you're listening to, what you're reading and viewing and everything else. You need to be careful about the environment you take or place yourself in or allow yourself to be influenced by. My friend, it's no one's fault when you're in the wrong place. It's no one else's fault when you're being taught the wrong thing. It's no one else's fault when you're having, allowing influences to affect you negatively. No, don't say it's because I'm too weak. Say it's because I'm not spiritual and I don't love God enough. Right. Listen, if, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. We don't like to talk in absolutes anymore. Because everybody's a good saint. Everybody's faithful. Everybody loves Jesus everybody's a good Christian in here, boy. None of us could ever need to be better than we are. Are you kidding? That's why we're here, at least this group, right? We know that there's areas we need to get better at. But can I tell you, even we can be deceived. Now, watch. I say all that because it kind of goes to what we're going to eventually be dealing with along the way. We see here the behavior tree, and we note some reasons or things that have shaped our lives, our person, up to this time. Now watch this. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Now, we know the Lord's going to do some things, right? Obviously. But I want you to help me with this. First of all, when he says being confident of this very thing, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? What's the word confident mean? Anybody raise a hand, please. What's the word confident mean? Yeah. Okay, to be sure, that's, that's good. Uh, anybody else? Uh, something for a confident. Yes, sir. Okay, no fear. Confident and that you're willing to face it. I, I've been confident, but I've been scared before too. But I think I know what you're talking about. You run down that football field and you know how to make that tackle. You're not afraid to go commit because you know what you're doing i wish ohio state would have done that to clemson more but anyway uh <laughs> clemson got beat pretty bad anyway but but we wouldn't have though right we'd have won but nonetheless uh yeah and that makes sense anybody else real quick that's good yeah okay no okay so if, if i could i could that's those are good absolutely having full belief Full belief, trusting, relying, fully assured, all right? Without doubt, sure, right? That, that's confident. And he goes on to say, he says, being confident of this very thing. Being, as he puts it here, as, as the definition would be put, I mean, literally being a full belief, being trusting, uh, being, uh, you know, uh, uh, being uh, confident or relying on that this very thing or b- being sure of this very thing. Without a doubt of this very thing. No doubt about it. Then notice what he says. He goes on to say, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. What is the good work that's been begun? What, 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 what is the good work that's been begun? Hold on, don't yell it out. Okay? 
okay, conforming to his image, we'll say. I heard the word salvation, okay? I thought about putting it down, but think about that for a minute. Just think about that for one minute. Begun a good work. It started with salvation, but salvation is not the work. Because if that's the case, it's still going on. You get where, Now watch this. Now listen, that, that, that's the first thing came to my mind when I saw this. I thought, salvation? Because I thought, man, this is going to make a great outline too. Salvation, sanctification. And, and I went, salvation. Mm. Oh. Didn't quite work, but that's the first thing I thought about too, brother. So what is it? Conforming to the image of Christ? Yes. But maybe even a little bit more detailed. Think about it. What happens to us the very moment we get saved? What happens, what, what happens to us? Give me a couple things. We get trans. Yeah, absolutely. Total transformation. We become a new creature in Christ. Good. Anybody else? Um, right there, Kelly. Okay, again, that sanctification process. What, what do we receive from the Lord? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Now listen, that's important. You've got to understand. Because nothing else happens without Him. Okay, that's, that's important. So when we think about begun a good work... We're really thinking about it's the result from salvation. It's as a result of the salvation. That's imperative. You have to be saved first. So yes, that's, that's where everything begins, if you will. But the salvation is not a process. Remember, the salvation is something that God gives us. It's an imperative. And, and the good work of God begins in us when the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residency in our life. That's the good work. Him stepping in, and he begins to transform. He begins to change. He begins to, to mold us and make us and to, to cause us to be conformed to the image of Christ. All of those things, without a doubt. Now, watch this. I, I'm talking to you about this stuff. Now, here's what I think happens, okay? And it's not just you. It's me, too. We read the scriptures, but we don't know what we're reading. Now, I just want you to understand this. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to know what you're reading. Now, it's important that we realize that because what happens is, is that we'll go through a verse like this and we catch a thought, but we don't really, don't really understand the verse. Now, in this case, we've already said, okay, what does it mean to be confident? Well, confident of this very thing. What very thing? That he which hath begun a good work in you. Well, what in the world is the good work? It's the fact that he, indwell, that, the, that he gave us the Holy Spirit of God and indwelled us, and then everything else flows from that. It's a good work, and everything else flows from that. Hold on, it's a good work, and everything else flows from that. Guess what? Next part now. And we'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, wait a second. What is that day? Is that today? Is that tomorrow? When is the day of Jesus Christ, or what is the day of Jesus Christ then? A, a hand again. Don't, please don't blurt, blurt it out. Anybody? Anybody right there, brother? The what now? Um, I, I'm sad to say no. Let me, let, I'll get to that in a second because you, you, got, you got a day mixed up, okay? Hold on. Um, let me, okay, Susan, I know you probably got this nailed because you took a course about 10 years ago. But she's got a great mind. Go ahead. There you go. Yeah, I would ask who you learned that from, but I won't. But anyway, it's the day of Christ. 
is when Christ will come and receive his church unto himself. What do we call that? That's the day of the rapture we talk about. And he's going to appear, and then all of a sudden, where? We end up at the judgment seat of Christ. It's the day of Christ. Opposed to, and again, that was a good try, the day of the Lord. Two different days. Two different days. You say, different, really? Yeah, remember day, let's see, let's figure it out. Day of Christ, day of the Lord. Are they, do they sound the same? Then they must be different. You get where I'm going? Now, wait a second. We don't even understand what we read sometimes. Again, he's be, being confident. You can be sure of this. You, you don't have to question this. You can know this to be true. That he which hath begun a good work in you, he began it by the indwelling of the presence of the Holy Ghost. And it's a work that's an outworking of his presence in our life. It's that sanctification. It's, it's, it's that conformed to the image of Christ. It's every good thing that God does in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he will perform it until the what? Day of Jesus Christ. To the very day that he raptures you out. That's what it's saying. Now we are aware, as was mentioned already from Scripture, that we're new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And as such, we have begun a new journey. A journey is comprised of a lifetime process. Welcome to reality. Enjoy the journey. That is the reality. See, the fact is that becoming is a process that takes time. No one becomes all that God would have them to be the very moment they're saved. There's a process that takes place. Salvation isn't a process. But the moment you're saved, a, you're on a new journey. It's a brand new journey. And you know what? You and I are all the byproduct, as we said, of our environment, experiences, exposure, and all of those things. But the fact is, is that this is the, the case. You have to be extremely careful who you follow now. Because who you follow will, be, will determine who and what you become now. Now again, I know you say, well, what have we learned today? I think we've learned quite a bit. You say, well, where's this going? That's later. We'll talk about that a little bit more next time we're together, next week, Lord willing, if he doesn't come back. And if he comes back, guess what? This whole process stops in all of our lives. So it won't matter, right? Now, again, we need to be very, very cognitive and conscious of the fact that we become who we follow. And again, we looked at the behavior tree and we know there's a couple of things that we can control. Our environment, our teaching, and our influences. Boy, I tell you what, we're on a life journey now. Totally different. It's up to you and I to make sure that those areas are what they ought to be. That other stuff, under the blood. Under the blood. You don't have to let your past rule you. 
You don't have to allow the environment of the past to continue to wreck and ruin your outlook, your philosophy, your beliefs, your opinions, your feelings, your attitude. You don't have to let that happen. You can let Christ come along and put the, the balm of Gilead on you and, and, and just heal you from that. But your environment, your teaching, and your influence will determine who you become. Jesus said, fellas, come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this, this time we had together. We just pray, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I don't know, maybe in the crowd tonight, there's those who's have allowed certain influences in their life that have been negative in light of you and your word. Maybe they've allowed a friend, a family member, or somebody else maybe to negatively affect their attitude, their outlook, and their, their perspective. Father, maybe they've been reading the wrong things or viewing the wrong things or listening to the wrong things. Lord, help us. We need you because we're going to become who and what we follow. May you just help us, Lord, to choose wisely. And it is our choice. It is our decision. Lord, help us. 